Hey Q, you remember we have a sponsor, right? I sure do. Trusted Health, right? That's right. Travel Nurse Agency, Trusted Health. They decided to gather information on travel nurse contracts, thousands of them. And then they would put this information together and make a comprehensive report that travel nurses or nurses interested in travel nursing could look at and get all kinds of information like the highest paying cities, the highest paying specialties. Yeah. So I just logged on and I just looked it up. And Tina, Mm -hmm. they got information that I couldn't have dreamed of asking, but I am happy I have seen it is this is everything you'd want yeah. as a nurse as a travel nurse as anybody in the world mm-hmm. this is some really good information so they released this report today and you should be able to access it by going to trustedhealth.com forward slash comp 2019 be sure and check it out everybody. This is Tina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. And I'm actually here today with Joshua Strickland, who's a registered nurse. And he is, I know you guys have to be familiar with um, the Facebook group Nurses with Cards that went crazy after the senator said all the things that she said about nurses sitting around playing cards. So there's like, I don't know what, two or 300,000 people in that group right now, Joshua, they just like, it just yeah, blew but- up. <laughs> Yeah, it's like 300,000 people. (laughs) It's crazy. So Joshua, very, very recently, just a few days ago, this happened, right? Like August 28th? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. So Joshua posted a very, very innocent post on in this group, which is a closed group, and had some backlash from that. And you you might be familiar with the story. We're going to actually, at the end, for the Good Nurse story, we're going to talk more about it, about what happened. I'm just sort of go into some detail and tell you guys exactly what happened. There's probably a lot of people curious about it because when you go on to try to, you can see some of the comments, but to try to figure out what originally happened and what all went down, we're going to clear it all up, aren't we, Joshua? Uh, yes, ma'am. Before we do that, we'll go ahead and get, we'll do an in the news story. And then we'll do, of course, we have to do a bad story. And as everyone is probably aware they almost always, they, they tend to be doctors. It's terrible. I, it's called good nurse, bad nurse. And when I'm trying to find nurse stories, the doctors, unfortunately, always tend to pop up. And then I'm just like, I'm going to put that on the back burner because I don't want to be talking about bad doctors every single week. So I, it's, it's a little bit challenging sometimes to find nurses, but we do have a bad doctor story and it is something else. So. <laughs> We'll get around to that, and then we'll talk about Joshua's story. I do want to thank our sponsor, Trusted Health, the uh, nurse travel agency that sponsors our podcast. You guys will hear our little commercial in the middle of the podcast episode at some point. And I guess we'll get started. So, Joshua, did you see the article that I sent you about CPR, PTSD CPR? Yes, ma'am. I did. I did. What did you think about that? So I, I wanted to just to kind of give a little bit of background of why I sent why I sent that and thought it was a good thing to talk about. It's really interesting. Joshua is actually a veteran, so it's, it's not that I did this at all on purpose. But PTSD is something that veterans are obviously very familiar with. It's absolutely probably, yeah. It's probably the first thing you would think of when you think of PTSD would be someone who's experienced war or some some sort of fighting absolutely so when so, you think of cpr what what do you think about that ptsd after cpr i mean 
I, I can see how it would relate because, you know, I, I see it from both uh, sides of the spectrum. I mean, I, I was uh, in Southern Afghanistan, you know, in the army for a while. And, uh, and so, you know, PTSD is still a relatively new thing, you know, I mean, they, they used to call it shell shock and mm-hmm. all these other different names for it. But, uh, a lot of focus is placed on, you know, the veterans and all of us guys coming back from the war, you know, they don't really think too much about, uh, first responders, firefighters, policemen, things like that. So I can kind of see how it would relate to that article you sent because it's, it's almost like a form of survivor's guilt, even though the patient, if I'm not mistaken, survived mm-hmm. from the, the nurse or the medic doing CPR, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. And, and the, actually one of our listeners messaged me and and she's a nursing student she's a brand new nursing student for a semester and it's weird this seems to happen i don't know what i don't know why but it seems like earlier in when i was in nursing school little medical emergencies seem to arise more than they seem to now and i don't know if i was just more on alert for it but she was she was at work and someone collapsed and she had to perform cpr and this is out just in the community. And she said, and the the man survived and he was fine, but she still afterwards, she said, is it normal to feel depressed and down after something like this? And she didn't really understand why she was feeling this way. What I immediately thought was before I even looked it up, I can see that I really can. There's an adrenaline rush that happens. It's a traumatic experience because even if there is a good outcome, you don't know that at the time. It's, very, Absolutely. it's a shock to your system that you're going through this and you feel so responsible and vulnerable and it, you're, you've got someone's life in your hands. And yeah. So. And, and I think, I think the way PTSD works, because one of the things that was on this nurses with cards things, one of the things that uh, they posted was obviously a song that I had written because I'm a singer. <clears throat> anyway, we wrote that song. Well, I wrote that song in honor of one of my best buddies that I was in the war with who lost his battle with PTSD because we all, we all deal with uh, things when you, you go to war, you come back a different person. You know? I think about the first time a patient coded and when, when I was a brand new nurse, barely off orientation, I was working at a hospital that didn't really give an adequate orientation, honestly. So of course. I, <laughs> I was very vulnerable, scared to death. Mm-hmm. There was there was a team leader, but the team leader also had patients. And so mm-hmm. I just, I felt alone, honestly, very, very alone. Uh-huh. And the patient had come from a skilled nursing facility and uh-huh. did really shouldn't have been a full code. But so she, when she came in, she was unresponsive. We were a cardiac, it was a cardiac step down unit. So they put the patient direct, it was a direct admit, put the patient into the room left and then here I am with this person I don't know anything about really Uh and she just and had no pulse and I was just like and then a doctor walked into the room and I think I talked about this on another episode but this was so disturbing a doctor walked into the room looked at her and he was coming to do that initial assessment that they have to do when they're first admitted and you know into the hospital and then mm-hmm. the doctor said, oh, basically acted like, oh, you're, you're busy. I'm not going to, well, I'll come back kind of thing. And I was like, get back in here. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. 
And I think he was scared because he knew he was going to have to be responsible and kind of like, you know, run because I'd already pulled the code button. And of course, nobody was coming. And it was just so frustrating. After that happened, the patient did pass. The family had to, they had to get the family on the phone. They had to give consent to stop compressions. It was just awful. And of course, I did have what I probably now would think would be PTSD, like the memories and the thoughts of having to do that and her look on her face and the look on her family's face when they got there, all that stuff just kind of, it just like won't leave your head. And you, that's the kind of thing that kind of, you think about it like three in the morning when you can't yeah. sleep, you know what yeah. I mean? No, I know exactly what you mean. So, and then I mean, even good outcomes, we've had times when we've run codes on people and then we do get a pulse and they are completely, everything is fine. And I can remember being amazed at that, like, wow, this actually works. Just to see that process actually go through the whole thing and work just like in the ACLS classes that we have to take. But even yeah. then, kind of being a little depressed, or it's weird. It's kind of like you just go through this big event, this traumatic event. We'll see. And see, and that's why... You see a lot of these vets that come back from the war. I mean, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, my era, yeah. all the way back to Vietnam and Korea. Mm -hmm. They come back from the war and a lot of them, they deal with those issues, you know, uh, PTSD from, I mean, when you're there, you see things that you would never, I mean, it's, it's, it's not normal. War is not normal. You, know? you, you see things that uh, nobody should ever have to see in those types of situations. And so those folks, they come back. And you're constantly on a high. I mean, you're, you, your adrenaline is through the roof. I mean, it, it's, it's life and death, guns locked and loaded 24-7. When you're running missions, you know, you're, you're looking everywhere. You know, I mean, you're, you're everywhere. You're on constant alert. Mm -hmm. And so when they come back to the States, they don't know how to cope with all that uh, reintegrating back into society. So you get a lot of them that turn in, turn to alcohol and drugs and things like that because they're constantly chasing that high that they got while they were still in the war, you know, because their adrenaline was just so just overwhelming. So and everyday so life can just sort of be mundane and just it's, like, it's Monday. Yeah. They I go into like sense. a, they go into like a, a, a fog, like a depression yeah. because you got to think, if you're living every single day of your life up here, right, you are on high alert, your adrenaline's rocking and rolling, you're running through villages, you know, you're getting shot at, you know, you're shooting, moving and communicating. And then as soon as you get back on that plane to come back to the States, your life from right here is now down here. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's obviously a big dip, you know? So, so those folks, they're, they're looking for that feeling to be alive again. Like, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I, I mean, I, I think you, know, you explained it perfectly. It makes perfect sense. Exactly what you just said. And I, because over there, I don't think I ever even understood it like that before. Over there, you are the most alive you have ever been in that, in that code that you're running. You are the most alive that you are, right? Because nothing else matters at that point. Mm -hmm. When you're in the war, the only thing that matters is living and dying and hopefully trying to stay alive. Whenever you're in that code, the only thing that matters at that moment, you're not thinking about kids. You're not thinking about mortgages. You're not thinking about bills. You're not thinking about your husband. You are compressing and you're trying to establish ROSC. I mean, you are 
you are focused, laser beam, boom, 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 boom. And it's the same thing in the war. And so then whenever that moment's over, it's like back to reality. Hmm. You know, now, now you have your husband's raising hell with you. Or now your kids, you got to go pick them up for soccer practice. Now you got to go pay this mortgage bill that you're late on. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it's, you're no longer living in that moment. I think that I can't, you could not have possibly explained that any better. It's so perfectly clear. I'm going to have to message her and, and just tell her like, just listen, to, listen to this episode. Cause you're going to probably really understand how you were feeling after I you appreciate hear that, yeah. him explain. I mean, it's, it makes perfect sense. And it makes sense to me. This article is actually talking about needing to integrate the education about PTSD into CPR training. When you're training people how to do this, especially, well, just anyone, whether they're lay people in the, in the community that are having to learn it for one reason or another, or people working in the hospital, they, everyone needs to understand that after you have to do something like this, you could experience these symptoms. And Absolutely. at least if you expect it, you know, you understand it. Yeah. It's all a matter of how you, how, you can internalize it and move from there. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, don't get me wrong, but I think the best sort of uh, medicine for that is, uh, is talking, you know, I mean, yeah. there's so many resources I'm, and I speak more on the veteran side of this uh, coin. There's so many resources out there that are available to guys that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and mm-hmm. things like that, that, you know, for one, they don't know about because the army, uh, and, and uh, mind you, I love the army, you know, so I'm not bad about the army, but unfortunately there's just not enough education about the VA and, you know, the resources that they offer for soldiers returning back from the war, you know, and these soldiers, they deal with it on a, uh, on a daily basis, you know? So yeah, it's tough. Wow. Well, that was an amazing news segment. I really, um, I love that conversation. In fact, I'm probably going to take that and maybe try to make it into a little educational type thing, just because it's, I feel like it's very important to talk about this more. Mm -hmm. So I guess we can get into our bad story this week. It is, I mean, they're always kind of disturbing, obviously, just the nature of it's a true, the true crime element and people do crazy things. Mm-hmm. This is very disturbing. It's it involves a doctor, but it also involves a nurse. Mm-hmm. This is Albert Lambert. He was a 52 year old emergency room physician in Florida, in actually Fort Lauderdale. And so he graduated from the University of Miami uh, School of Medicine in 1987. And so this happened. This all happened in 2013. So he had been a, a physician for a while and established. In 2010, he and his wife started the process of going through a divorce, and obviously, they they had children. The children were were older, late teens, twenties, you know, maybe young adults. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure, but they were they were older. But that doesn't really make it a whole lot easier, you know. Just because your children are older doesn't mean that it isn't um, hard on them. But actually, now that I think about it, that they had to have been teenagers because there was an issue with child support. So they, they must have been under 18 now that I think about it. 
But it was it was highly contentious, the divorce. They were constantly fighting about alimony, child support, car payments, you know, who's going to pay? How much is he going to pay? It's really not who's going to pay what, because she was a stay-at-home mother, even though she was a nurse by her education. She was a stay-at-home mom. She chose not to work and instead be at home. He he made over $200,000 a year. So he was the provider. She chose to stay at home. And then when they go through the divorce, he looks at it like, well, I'm the one that's made all of the money. Why do I have to pay you? And she looks at it like, yes, well, I sacrificed all those years. I could have been working and progressing in my career, moving up, making more money, getting a more masters or whatever. And I put all that on hold. And now we're going through this. So it's just, it's never, that's, it's just, it's ugly. It's, divorce is just not good in any situation, but especially when it, it comes to something like this. So they were just in con- just constantly fighting about this while this divorce is going on. She became a school nurse Bach Middle School of the Arts in West Palm Beach. After they separated, of course, she had to have an income. And then once the divorce was finalized in early 2013, he was actually ordered to pay $7,300 per month to his wife, Kimberly. And her name was Kimberly. Yeah. Kimberly Lindsay. So that's a lot of money. And he was not happy about it. He did not. He just didn't, I don't know how, if he just didn't want to pay anything, but he didn't want to pay that. He, I guess he felt like it wasn't, wasn't fair and he felt like he was just given his money. And he even told the judge that he would rather disappear or go to jail than to have to pay her any, any of that money. Yeah. I mean, every week we talk about how crazy people can be on this show and the, the decisions that they make when they're, they are committing these crimes and they always just seem so ridiculous and you just wonder who would go and tell a judge that he would rather disappear or go to jail before paying money to his wife and then ultimately do the things that end up happening it just i don't even understand it no it's a crazy case i mean uh, i i read the article once you sent it to me i remember reading about it a few years ago oh you do or or, or hearing about it because mm-hmm. yeah it was like an it was it was a while back because it was so heinous yeah you know and yeah it's it's, it's i mean it's that's hard i mean anytime you have divorce and kids involved in the mix mm-hmm. you know emotions running high people people are out not in their a lot of times not in their normal state of mind, right. you know, because they're so emotions are so tied into it that, yeah, I mean, this as unfortunate as it is with this case, you know, there's plenty of other cases that, that kind of tend to follow the same path when it comes to divorce and custody as this, this gentleman's. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, one weekend, Kimberly decided to go visit one of their three daughters. She was at the Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. Yeah. So she went to visit and they could tell by the phone records that she got home safely from that trip. But when, but then she didn't show up for work Monday. So she went on this trip. They can see from the phone pings that she, she arrived home. And I guess no one was really, you know, in connection with her after she arrived home. Uh huh. And then Monday morning comes around, she's a school nurse. 
she doesn't show up. She doesn't call in. So a, a coworker called the police and a police officer went to do a welfare check at her home that afternoon. And they found that her bed was completely stripped down. She it didn't have any sheets on it, nothing. There was a shirt and a bra on the floor. And there was a, a trail of blood from the, the bed down the yeah, on the on the headboard, yeah. On the headboard, yes, and into the garage. And then also all the way to their Toyota her to- Toyota Camry that was in, in the driveway. So obviously very disturbing. Yeah. Scary scene. And clearly something very bad has happened to her and they and she's not there. The youngest daughter, when they talked to when she talked to police, said, "Well, you know that she had been with her dad that weekend." And so I guess uh, Kimberly was going to visit their oldest daughter at college. So then, it, maybe it was the weekend that her youngest daughter would be spending with with her dad. Mm-hmm. She said they ate dinner. She went to bed around ten thirty. She said that she left the keys to her Camry on a dresser and then went to bed. And then her wa- her father woke her up about five o'clock in the morning that Monday morning, and she actually drove the Camry to school. And then she was called out of class and told about her mother disappearing. And then she drove the Camry to her mom's house, and that's where investigators saw the blood on it. So they, of course, start looking for the husband. Because that's going to be the first person in any situation like this. You're going to automatically look there. And they, we know they always. Yeah. That's just, typical. I mean, yeah. So, you know, reason number one, why reason number one, why not to do something like this is just flat out. Just don't be a type of person to kill someone. Obviously. Yeah. Or and cut somebody's head off. Yeah. That's horrible. Right. But a strong second is that. If you're the spouse, you're going to be the number one suspect. So just don't even bother trying. Oh, yeah. And no, because we were watching uh, like Dateline NBC the other day. And uh, I was, you know, people that buy these life insurance policies. And then next thing you know, their spouse gets into an accident two weeks later. And, and, that's a hard thing to prove because then they're always looking at the husband or the wife and saying, well, you bought life insurance policy two weeks ago. Well, you know, sometimes accidents do happen. I'm just saying yeah. in that case, you know. Oh, I know. I, I feel was, sorry for someone who like, really did just legitimately buy an insurance policy and then there's yeah. something weird like this happens because nobody's going to believe you. I'm no, sorry. Exactly. It's just you're... Because I, I watch Dateline, so it happens. I see that. It happens too often. So... I'm going to apologize in advance if I for a wrongful conviction because I'm going to convict you every single time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sorry about that. That was that's terrible luck on your part, but it's just it looks bad. It really does. Maybe we just shouldn't be going and uh, getting major increases on our life insurance policies. No, no, no. So they start looking for him. They aren't able to find him. Finally, they get in touch with him by phone on Tuesday, the next day. And he said, well, I'm getting a lawyer, but I didn't do anything wrong. He's he's just like, I I didn't do anything wrong. I'm, this is not me admitting to anything, but I'm not going to talk to you. I want a lawyer, basically. He's seen enough true crime stories to know that you you have to ask for a lawyer right away, no matter what, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Try to get yourself out of it. Yeah. So that day, they the police start looking into it. And, and I guess, you know, they 
I'm sure they probably had a pretty good, you always think the, the police have a pretty good idea of what's, what's going on. You know, they, they've been around the block a time or two, but the evidence just kind of lines up so nice and neatly. It's if you wanted to create a scenario that where the police would be able to follow a trail just perfectly and just lay it out for them textbook to, to determine what the suspect is, you really couldn't do a better job than Dr. Lambert did. He went, they, oh, yeah. they immediately were able to go and see where he purchased a 22. Oh no, he would. Yeah. He, I mean, cause like I said, I watched, I watched some Dateline stuff and like the first 48 mm-hmm. things like that. You right. know, and some of those guys, I mean, they meticulously plan where they, they can't find them and the case goes cold. This guy, I mean, this, you, you was able to tell right off the bat that he was, that he was guilty. He was the number one suspect. He, he was, there was no hiding anything that he did. No, he, he just didn't even try. No. The, the police and the police and uh, her family her daughters immediately start launching a publicity blitz Facebook pan, uh, campaign. They're trying to get the word out there. If you know anything, if you have any information, they just wanted to be able to find their mom and see what happened. And so then on Wednesday, so this all happened like bam, 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The, there were some workers working outside near a canal in a sugarcane field and they found a body. The head and fingertips had been cut off and the woman had been you know, shot in the chest with a 22 caliber bullet. I mean, just horrible, horrible, horrible. I don't know how you, I mean, it's, it's not like we're trying to, sometimes we'll tell these stories and we try to not reveal whether the person is guilty or innocent. And, but this story just, like I said, is laid out. So that you don't, there's really not, there is no doubt in anyone's mind what happened here. So there's no point in trying to act like there is, but for she, 22 caliber bullet, he obviously just purchased a gun. He had made the statement to the judge that he would rather be in jail or missing than pay money to his ex-wife. And I just don't know how you can do something like this to someone that at one time you obviously loved and cared about and you have children with. I've yeah, the mother of your... Too. How? Yeah. yeah. How can you do that to your children? No, that's... that's nah, I don't know. I mean, it's, that whole thing is just crazy. I mean, especially... And I hate... This is kind of weird, okay? But like, you know, you can kill somebody. You know, I get it. But then there's a certain way about going about killing somebody that is just like so far beyond like, I mean, cutting someone's head off, chopping their fingers off, you know, just completely mutilating them. I mean, killing anybody or in in any sort of way is bad, but to go above and beyond where you're just completely mutilating the mother of your children. I mean, it's just just leaving them in the, leaving them in a canal. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, that's a monster. It is. It is a monster. And um, I mean, obviously, he didn't want them to identify her somehow in his sick mind. He thought that if they found this, this body, they would not connect it to, to her disappearance. No, that's, that's crazy. I mean, it just yeah, shows his know. state of mind at the time. This intelligent physician could yeah. not 
see how crazy this whole thing is and how impossible it's going to be for him to get away with this. Yeah. I mean, some people, they just, you know, they get to that point where they're so emotionally distraught that they just mentally, and they just become a completely different being than, than, than what they normally are. I mean, I guess what shocks me the most out of this whole situation is just the brutality of of the crime i mean if if a man walks in on his wife messing around with somebody and you know shoots that person you know even though i don't condone that obviously you know any sort of life taking or anything i can at least understand it a little bit but going up so far to the point that you cut somebody's head off cut their fingertips off drag them across the floor completely mutilate them and then drop them in a sugarcane field. That's just unfathomable. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it makes perfect sense that, that you could get to this point that this person is not, e- that not even a person, that, that there is no regard for this life, for the life yeah. of this, this woman. I think uh, there's yeah. just, it felt, it almost is like there was just such a hatred and disdain for her. Yeah. And it just shows in the way that he killed her, the way that he mutilated her body, the way that he disposed of her body, like she was just garbage to be just left somewhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just completely just just monstrous. I mean, Mm -hmm. because, I mean, you get, you have, you know, like I said, crimes of passion where somebody, you know, breaks temporarily, but they don't go so far as to just do something like that, you know? And usually if something like that happens and someone does kind of have a moment of just kind of losing their mind out of rage or whatever the reason is, they feel remorse about it afterwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of times, yeah, and you'll find that they will cover up the body or they, it's like, they try to do something. You can tell they feel bad. They they put it, the body in a place where somewhat of a grave or because they feel bad. And there obviously was none of that here. No feelings no. whatsoever. No, no. There was no sense of humanity. Mm-mm, not at all. So on Thursday, again, bam, 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he was, Dr. Lambert was seen on video with his sister at where he, where he lived at his home. And then on Friday, they were interviewing his daughters, trying to get more information, and they figure out that Dr. Lambert actually had keys to that Camry and also had keys to Kimberly Lindsay, his ex-wife's house. So on Saturday, they go and search his house. They figure this is enough, clearly, for a warrant. He's, you've got the, the statement to the judge. you got the twenty two caliber caliber pistol. You have the fact that he had keys to her house, the fact that he had keys, access to this Camry. It's just enough to go ahead and get a warrant. And so they go and search his house. They find a towel and some clothes with his blood on it. And then they did confirm that Kimberly Lindsay's blood was on Dr. Lambert's clothes as well. So they started putting like a surveillance team on him, watching everything he was doing. And they were waiting outside of his house and they were actually about to arrest him for this. And they see his sister and her boyfriend carrying a white sheet that obviously contained a body out of the house. I don't even under, this is just, when I read that, I had to read that over and over again. Like, what? (laughs) Why? What, What were they doing? Like, why were they carrying his body. Anyway, that was just bizarre to me. But they saw them do that. 
and then they performed CPR on him, but he couldn't be revived. They did an autopsy and found that he, it was a drug overdose. So he, he overdosed on drugs. He just decided he knew at this point he starts realizing all of the stuff that's against him. And he, he knows he's not going to get out of this without going to jail. Yeah. Which is selfish. You know, I mean, yep. I mean, you got, you get folks that commit these heinous crimes. You know, it was like that guy in New York city, not too long ago, that Jeffrey Epstein or Epstein or, I mean, they, they go about committing all these heinous crimes or whatever the case. And uh, then they decide, well, instead of letting, you know, the judicial process handle me, I'm going to handle it myself. And, and they do themselves in, I mean, like you said, there was no way that that dude was getting out of that situation. So. No, there was no getting out of it. He actually had a girlfriend at the time. Her name was Kimberly as well, but she was Kimberly Jacobs. And I guess they had been dating. I don't know how long they've been dating. They've been dating long enough that there is a kind of an established relationship. And they interviewed her to see if they had any insight into what, what happened, why, what was going on. And she was really shocked at everything. Of course, she wanted an explanation. You know, what? I don't understand what happened here because the person that he showed her was absolutely not this person. She, she just couldn't understand how this could have happened while he lived a pretty much normal life in front of her. Yeah. She was really confused. She did kind of remember back, you know, how this sort of happens. You think after being shocked about something like this, you start thinking back and think, you know, actually, now that I remember it, I remember him saying this or that or this happened. And she did kind of reflect back and remembered that they went to a firing range and together and that he told. Starts putting clues and everything back. Yes. In. Yeah. He told yeah. her a, kind of about the divorce and uh-huh. he told her that he would like to shoot Lindsay's lawyer. I mean, I guess they maybe were having a, a conversation about who who they would like to, who knows what kind of weird conversations go on between people, but they're talking about this and he says the person he would like to shoot would be Lindsay's lawyer. I guess he was just really mad at that at that lawyer for, for getting the agreement that, that they had to, you know, that they came up with. She said that he didn't, the doc, uh, Dr. Lambert did not acknowledge to her that there was a search underway for his ex-wife after she was reported missing like he would not at all he would he would just not acknowledge it at all and then right before the day before he died he sent her a really odd facebook message that pretty much just said you know take care of yourself you need to go back to california that kind of thing so he was just sort of yeah. like cutting ties and saying goodbye to her and wow then, yeah it's so, crazy i know it's just really weird the whole situation and it just basically ended there. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He clearly, you know, Monday through Saturday, this whole thing happened, unfortunately, very quickly. And it was all over and done with within a week. And no doubt in anybody's mind what happened to Kimberly Lindsay. Sounds like a hell of a week. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, Q, we're in a commercial, so we got to talk fast. Let's do it. Okay. So I think I know the answer to this question, but have you ever signed up for a travel nurse agency and immediately regretted it when you started getting all those texts and emails? Sadly, Tina, yes, I have. 
Okay, well, Trusted Health is a nurse travel agency that's going to change all of that. They make it simple and fast to go online and sign up, and then you immediately start seeing job opportunities that are tailored to your interests, and you can even see the pay. Sounds too good to be true, Tina. Well, the best part is there are no recruiters, no unwanted emails, and no unwanted text messages. No recruiters? Tina, I'm going to need some help. Where are we going to go if we have all these questions? Right, right. Well... They do have nurse advocates who are there to answer any questions. They'll help guide you through the process, but they're not commission-based, so they're not going to try to pressure you into taking a job that you don't want. Cool beans, cool beans. Well, tell them where to sign up because we're running out of time here. Okay, right, right. So, you guys, if you're even a little curious about travel nursing and you want to help support our little podcast here at Good Nurse, Bad Nurse, please go to www.trustedhealth.com forward slash goodnurse. And follow the steps to completing the sign-up process. It's real important that you complete the whole process for us to get credit, and we would really appreciate the support. Remember to be sure and put forward slash good nurse at the end of the URL when you go to their website so they'll know we sent you there. Trusted Health, they're not just an agency, they're a movement. Well, that was our really shocking and depressing <laughs> mad doctor story. Yeah, yeah. well... <laughs> <laughs> You've been initiated <laughs> into good nurse, bad nurse, Joshua. <laughs> I know. Well, on that note, yeah, let's talk about something happy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, I know it's just crazy. And that is sort of part of our model here is to sort of, we do tell the true crime stories. No, it's cool. It's, but we yeah, do I mean, like I think to, it's awesome. Yeah, we like to end on a, on a positive note and, you know, until because medical professionals, for, the vast majority of nurses, doctors, and, and all medical professionals are wonderful people. That's why they go into the medical profession. No one would do this job if they weren't, for the most part, if they weren't a good person. So yeah, we like to end on talking about all of the, the good things that people do. And I'd like to talk about you a little. We've already talked about the fact that you're a veteran. Thank you for your service. Yeah, I appreciate it. And a nurse. As well, you're also a musician, so you've got a lot of different things going on too. But then yeah. this, all of a sudden, your world got turned upside down a few year, few days ago. Tell everybody, explain in your own words, you know, like just what happened. Yes, ma'am. So basically, I took a job a little bit closer to the house on a like a med psych floor. So basically, it's a uh, it's a hybrid floor. So most lockdown psych units they only treat the psychiatric episodes. Whereas on this floor, if the patient, regardless if they have schizophrenia, schizoaffective, you know, bipolar, multiple personality disorders, whatever, they also have like CHF or BPH, you know, so we're also treating those medical comorbidities on in conjunction with the psychiatric episodes. That sounds like a difficult floor to be on. it, It can be, absolutely. So I posted a picture to nurses with cards. I was rounding on one of the patients. It was like one of my first days there. And it was like my very first patient. I was rounding on the patient. And when you do that, you got to do like a little mental status exam asking, you know, if they're having any sort of suicidal ideation, delusions, whatever the case. The patient denied all of that. And so, I, you know, typical nursing question. I asked if there's anything else that I could help the patient with. And the patient said, yeah. And I said, what's that? She said, you can fuck off and die. And I, it, it took me aback because I'm not, I'm not a psych nurse by trade. You know? Oh my goodness. And uh, so I just kind of like look in my head like that. And I said, well, I said, yes, ma'am. I said, I said, I'll try my best 
you know, we'll continue to monitor, you know. I love that. And, we'll continue to monitor. It's I mean, so funny. I was trying to explain that to my husband. I'm like, you don't understand. That is hilarious. It's yeah. just and so, so funny. Yeah. And so I, so I was off the unit and I posted a picture stating those exact words. And I blurred out my barcode scanner. Mm-hmm. But in the picture, someone uh, from Massachusetts, and mind you, I live out in Arizona and I'm from Louisiana. So Mm -hmm. someone from Massachusetts had taken the picture and blown it up to where they could see the logo of my healthcare corporation, which was steward. And so then they sent it into corporate because this picture, everybody loved it. It had gone viral. Oh yeah. It was liked like over 6,000 times within three hours. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious. Everybody said that, oh, it made my day. That was so (laughs) funny, you know. That's what I call a normal Wednesday, you know, welcome to psych. Da, 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 you know? That's what that group is for. Exactly. It's an outlet, you know, yeah. event and stuff, you know, and, um, but there was no patient identifiers, no HIPAA violation, no, no, no defamation towards the medical facility, no nothing. Yeah. And so anyways, I go to work the next day and around 1130, I get called into HR and I'm like, oh man, what the hell? So I go in there, they say, Josh, do you know anything about nurses with cards? And I said, uh, yeah, you know, and I was kind of like, so what? I, I was taken aback. I couldn't, I didn't know. And they said, well, you, do you know you posted something that went viral? And I said, yeah, I think so. And I said, I'll show you what I posted, you know, cause it wasn't anything bad, you know? Sure. And so I showed them and they both kind of laughed. It was the HR director and the chief nursing officer. And uh, they said, well, you know, someone sent this all the way up to corporate. So uh, we have to decide what we're going to do with you. So we'll come down to the floor in a little bit and let you know if we're going to terminate you or not. You know, no written warning, no verbal counseling, no nothing. I said, okay. I said, if I said, if at all possible, I'd like to know. So that way I don't go the rest of the day worrying about if I'm going to get fired as soon as possible. So they come down to the floor five minutes later and they said, Josh, you can relax. We're not going to fire you. Just consider it a lesson learned. No harm, no foul. Just make sure next time you don't have a badge or anything showing your logo or anything. I was like, you know, I really wasn't my, someone blew it up. Yeah. And I said, okay, you know, I take responsibility, whatever. So then four hours later, I get another call to go back up to HR and they're like, Hey, so we submitted our recommendation to corporate. They decided to override us. So we're going to have to terminate you. And I said, what? You know, I said, this is BS, you know, whatever the case, I didn't violate any sort of social media policy. You know, I have a family. This isn't just uh, me that they're hurting, you know? And so then I went back to nurses with cards and just posted on there. Hey, whoever screenshot this photo and sent it all the way up to corporate. I just want to say, thank you. You got what you wanted. I was terminated. And so that took off like a wildfire. I mean, it went beyond viral to the point that they had to shut off the comments. You know, oh. the the owner of uh, or the founder of Nurses with Cards called me. Z Dog sent me an email. Yeah, I did a couple podcasts. I did a a podcast with uh, We Do the Work, and then uh, Jessica Seitz. Uh, she's actually turned out to be a, a pretty good friend of mine. She's got a YouTube channel. She did a YouTube channel. Then that went viral. Then, and I wasn't really looking for all that. You know, I just, I was just basically kind of being a smart ass saying, Hey, thanks, you know, for whatever. But, you know, so many people were so passionate and overwhelmingly supportive that everybody came to my defense. I mean, 
everybody got on St. Luke's web uh, Facebook page and were blowing up the comments to the point that they had to restart their Facebook pages and delete comments and started censoring comments and they started calling HR and, and all this other stuff. I mean, it, it, it got so viral and so out of control that I think now about over a hundred thousand people within all the nursing forums were involved. I mean, I got over two to 3000 messages, you know, within like 24, 48 hours. It was, it was just, it was mind blowing to be quite honest. And I'm, I'm grateful about the, the support that all the nurses uh, stuck together and, and, you know, showed me. Well, it really, there's a few things I was thinking about when you were telling that. And one thing that really stands out in my mind is how this, there's one person out there who was mean and for whatever reason, whether they didn't like something you posted previously about, they just happened to, who knows what, maybe they just wanted to be mean, but there's one person who's probably in the healthcare field that did this horrible, mean, terrible thing. But then there's hundreds of thousands of people who are actually coming to your defense and helping you. And that's what I I think is, um, that's what the healthcare field is. You do have the vast majority of people being good, oh, yeah. wonderful, oh, yeah. supportive, encourage each other, lift each other up. And then you're going to have some bad apples. You're going to have some people that are just, that's that's the people that when yeah, you work with that are kind of buttholes when you're doing report, you know, that you're like, yeah, oh, giving this person a report, you know, because they yeah. ask you all those horrible questions and stuff. Well, so, well see, like, there, it's that old, and I hate the phrase too, nurses eat their young. Like, every time I hear that phrase, it reminds me of like, I don't know, like some sort of wolf, like that's, that's like yeah. <laughs> eating like, like a, like a dead animal or something. I don't know. It's just, it's, I just hate that phrase for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. Not a good you know, visual. Yeah. No, it's not a good visual. And I don't really, I can see that to a certain extent, but I don't really play that game. I mean, I was in the army. I'm very loud and proactive. I'm a straight shooter, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, that's just kind of how I was raised, you know, I'm a southerner. So if there's an older nurse on the unit that's giving me problems, trying to be a bully, I'll tell, I, you know, I have no problem telling them, Hey, look, <laughs> we ain't going to talk like this, you know? Yeah. That's just cause I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play that kind of game, you know? So it wasn't, I don't think it was so far as nurses eating their young, yeah. if you want to call it that, because I'm not a brand new nurse and I'm not a 19 year old new grad right. that, that thinks I'm the lost member of Grey's Anatomy or something. <laughs> You know, I have a family to support and this, this person, I mean, they took something so far. I mean, had someone sent me a message that said, Hey, Josh, for some unbeknownst reason, this offends me. I would have said, Hey, you know, I understand. I apologize. I would have taken mm-hmm. it down, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. But now it's gone to such a point that there's, there's somebody, I'm not going to mention a name, but I'm sure you can find it. Cause that also went viral. That's offering to pay $10,000 for the name of the person that turned me in because they're going to report them. This person is a very big person in the uh, medical world, you know, and and things like that. Just uh, it's because it's, you know, it was an injustice, you know, I mean, I've sent the social media policy to multiple people to have them looked at and they've all said the exact same thing, that there was absolutely zero violation of any sort of social media policy. There was no violation of HIPAA. Otherwise, there would have been federal charges brought against me. It was just a mountain made out of a molehill. Oh, for sure. The thing is, this 
can be used for good. I feel like we, and I don't mean that you would have preferred it this way, of course. I, I realize you did, you probably didn't want to have to be the person that's uh, being the catalyst for, for change. No, but, no, not. But <laughs> you now know. it's like, now it's like, I don't even know as, uh, if I can even find a, find a floor nursing job because, uh. because now it's like, I hate to say the blowback, but because it has gotten so much attention Mm -hmm. that now my fear is that, you know, an employer might be a little hesitant to hire me, not because I have bad patient care because HR, CNO, everybody, whenever they first initially came down to tell me that I wasn't fired, they said, Josh, we decided to keep you. You're not fired because all we've gotten, and uh, you know, I hate to sound braggadocious, but they've all said, you know, we've gotten nothing but compliments on your patient care. Mm -hmm. I came from and this is not obviously knocking psych because I love psych, you know, but I came from a little bit more of a medical oriented background versus coming to a straight psych unit. Now, when I say that, you know, and I don't want to be misquoted, psych nurses, they have a completely different set of skills than somebody in the ED, ICU, med surge, tele, whatever, because those are more medically oriented units. Whereas a psych nurse, they have the basic skills of nursing but you know they're not accessing portacafs they're not doing lines every day they have a completely set of skills where they can deescalate something mm-hmm. versus somebody that's in on a telly floor or something you know does, does that make sense oh it does it really does and so whereas i was new to psych you know i had more of a medical experience so when the when the cno and hr came down we had a patient who was uh was a hard stick, renal patient, whatever. The SWAT nurse couldn't come up for like four hours, basically. It was something bizarre, you know, where all the stars weren't aligning, yeah. you know, and nobody could establish a line. So I put an IV in, in a foot and, oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it works, <laughs> you know? So it was like, everybody was like, yeah, you know, we got somebody that kind of knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Yeah. And so when they told me I wasn't fired, they told me that, you know, that, hey, you know, we know you bring a certain set of skills, you know, yes. and you have good patient care. So it's not anything bad about your patient care or, you know, we acknowledge that you didn't violate HIPAA. So basically the reason I was terminated was because I used their logo without their authorization. Well, number one, you blurted out. So well, well, I blurred out the barcode scanner, but if yeah. you blew up the picture, yeah, then you could see pixelated. Yeah, but you really have to go... You have to go to the lot because when you just look at the picture, you can't tell what it says. The logo. You didn't really use the logo. If you, if I took that picture and then I decided, oh, can I put this on social media? I don't want to put the logo on there. I would have definitely said, oh, this is not a problem. You can't tell what this is. And I would have put it on there. And I I don't understand. Because it got so viral. Yeah. That's why it brought, it brought, it's not necessarily unwanted but unnecessary attention to the medical facility. And I was like, you know, I didn't defame. I wasn't talking bad about the facility at all. You know, it's like if had I gone on there and been like, Hey, the started talking crap about the facility, you know, Oh, you know, the med stock, you know, the med supply rooms are never stocked. Oh yeah. You know, I had to run down and get a pick line dressing because, you know, we have no stock, no supply stocked here or, Something like that. You yeah, know, talking about being understaffed or how yeah. unsafe the conditions are for patients. I, exactly. Yeah, I then can understand I would that. understand it, but I didn't. No. And so, yeah. So it's been it's been a hell of a week, but uh, you know, like I said, I've 
I've gotten an overwhelming amount of support from most folks. I mean, there's a couple of folks that are just really downright mean, you know, and, but I don't really care about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nah, it'll happen. Well, what I'm hoping to do is, and the reason I wanted to talk to you and have you on the show is to try to bring awareness to this sort of thing. We do that quite a bit on the show is if, if anything that we perceive as an injustice towards someone in the medical field to try to bring awareness to it so that hopefully we can bring about change. It's such a slow process to try to change anything, but the internet has been around long enough. Social media has been around long enough that this needs to be addressed. Oh yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a problem. Clearly you can't, go on a social media closed group and make a comment that is not really supposed to be public in the in the sense of all social media or in a you know on your main main page it's in a group and in the, and the whole purpose of it is almost therapeutic it's to have a place to go where people think like you people understand what you're going through you can absolutely absolutely it, and they're taking away that and it's and there's already a shortage of nurses how many times do we say that on this show already oh God, yeah. a shortage of nurses and actually that's another thing there really isn't a shortage of nurses there there are so many registered nurses in this country but there is a shortage of nurses willing to work at the bedside and put up with the crap that nurses have to put up oh with. man it's 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 that was corporate america 101 textbook Right there, yeah. you know that was, yeah. I don't know because I mean that that was it was it was horrible. Because like I said, had it been you know something crazy, you know, I've seen nurses, okay, that have done things. Nurses that have accidentally almost bolus somebody with potassium. Nurses that have gotten felony charges. Nurses that uh, that have done some really stupid, stupid stuff. And you know what nurses I'm talking about because there's nurses on every unit that you're like, man, how the hell did she make it through nursing school? Or how the hell did he make it through nursing school? Or how did this person pass the NCLEX? Or how does this person still have a medical license, you know, or a nursing license, excuse me, to practice that still have their jobs? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. It's like, like they just, they might get moved from direct patient care to being an admissions nurse or in a triage, or, you know, they get moved around wherever. Right. So, so <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been a little boggling, mind boggling. Yeah, it is. It's, it is mind boggling. I'm glad that you're willing to come on to the show and talk about and tell your story. And hopefully for one thing, I hope that people listening, the nurses and other people that work at hospitals listening will kind of think about this, think about what you're posting on social media and be careful because there are a lot of people and I'm talking managers and upper administration who go on to Facebook and on their main page, not even in a closed group, post pictures of themselves and their coworkers standing there like, hey, it's so-and-so's last day. We're really going to miss them. All their badges lined up in a row. No attempt whatsoever to blur anything out. Telemetry monitors in the background. Yeah. I just, and I'm just, I'm just going, I, this is very common. I see it all the time at in on Facebook from hospitals all across the country. If, If you were to, if you were to go on to nurses with cards, and go to each and everybody's individual profile mm-hmm. and screenshot a picture, even though they're not doing anything bad. Mm-hmm. Just screenshot a picture, sort of in the similar fashion that I did, that I yeah. was screenshotted. 
we would be down probably about a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand nurses. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Because I mean, who would think to screenshot a picture of you just sitting there at the nurse's station? That's ridiculous. I mean, right. what type of person has the audacity and the crappy life to just sit there and ruin somebody else's, you know? I know. Well, hopefully we can I don't know what's gonna happen with this whole story, but I don't know. I hope you're able to get a job for one thing. I'm sorry yeah. that that's been a problem. I might uh, just become a motivational speaker and go I to think all that the would be great. seminars. <laughs> I think that'd be great. You could go to Washington and, and you could testify before Congress and try to get legislation passed. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I've got all kinds of plans for you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm going to just go to, I'm going to just go to all these nursing seminars and just tell my story a million do it. times until people are just blue in the face. No, do it. You need to. You need to yeah. keep telling your story. And also, I want to remind everyone that you have a GoFundMe page. Where can they find, access your GoFundMe page? I don't know because I didn't I didn't create the GoFundMe. That was another thing that especially a lot of the negative people on there were saying, you know, oh, you know, he's doing all this for attention. I'm not. I didn't expect any of this to go viral. Someone created a GoFundMe page for me. I mean, if you go type in my name, Joshua Strickland, and go fund me. I, I don't even know where the link is myself. Okay. But uh, then, yeah, they set it up for me. I, I And, you know, and I'm grateful, you know, I mean, anything helps, especially when you have a family, you got bills, you got mortgage, you got yes. all this other stuff, you know, and then trying to get a job and all this other stuff. So I'm, I'm grateful. So yeah, it's, it's somewhere on there. I don't, I don't know the exact link. www. I don't know, go find me slash Joshua Strickland, I guess. Okay. But. We'll find it. And uh, Mark, uh, yeah. my husband can put it on our website too, under this, when, when this episode uh, airs, we'll on the page, we'll put yeah. a link there. If you guys want to go, if you want to go find it there or just type it in to Google, I'm sure you can find it. And then your, your band. Yeah. Can you, you have a band, Bayou Bandits? Yes, ma'am. It's called the Bayou Bandits. Yeah. So go look up his music too. Yeah, uh, we have a website. It's uh, thebayoubandits.com or Facebook slash thebayoubandits or Instagram, all that good stuff. So yeah, we've been uh, we've been really fortunate, thank the Lord, to be able to kind of do what we love. So that's what we do. No, well, I'm glad that you have that as well in your life. I'm sure that that is that helps you through this, having that music, having your music to kind of as an outlet. So that's really good. And it's good music. You guys should go listen to it. And by the way, he did not uh, approach me. I approached him for this story. He never said anything. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) Absolutely. I reached out to him. And as I would imagine, probably everyone else that's everybody, everybody else reached out to me. Like I said, I have so much going on as of late that I don't know. I don't know nothing about podcasts, you know, or anything or anything like, you know, making videos and all this other stuff. And so the first one they reached out to me, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I don't care. <laughs> then, uh, then the next one, then the next one, then the next one. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, because it got to the point that at first, initially I was just going to chalk it up to be like, uh, you know, shit happens basically, mm-hmm. you know, move on and move forward and, and go find a new job. But then after like a hundred thousand people started saying the exact same thing yeah. about how this is not a wrong, this is a wrongful termination. Yes. You know, you need to do something about this. A hundred thousand people can't be wrong. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And so that's when I was like, you know what, just make it as viral as possible. I mean, whether it be me or whether it be anybody else trying to fix a wrong, 
is what it's all about. It ain't about Joshua Strickland getting all this attention. It ain't about trying to promote the Bayou Bandits. It ain't, mm-hmm. you know, it ain't about none of that. The fact of the matter is I'm a registered nurse. I have a BSN. I worked my ass off for mm-hmm. it. Just like everybody else. I spent five, six hours a night with a med surge book sitting right here at my dinner table, just like everybody else, you know, so I deserve to be working yes. on the floor just as much as the next person does that has a license. You know, and it wasn't about me being a singer. And the, yeah, those patients deserve to have you working there too. We need nurses yeah. too, too much to be doing. We need good nurses. Yeah. It's you ridiculous. know, so it was, it wasn't, it, I didn't, I didn't come at this attention seeking. I no. came at this as a registered nurse because I'm proud to be an RN. You know, I worked my butt off mm-hmm. and that's just the way it is. And uh, so, yeah. Well, we appreciate you for sure. And um, I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. You guys go look him up and support him. Remember, you can reach us at goodnursebadnurse.com, www.goodnursebadnurse.com. You can see us on Instagram at, I think it's goodnursebadnurse. I do this every week. I'm so sorry, you guys. You know where to go. And then Facebook is GNBN Podcast. So everybody have a good week. And remember, even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, be a good nurse. Good nurse.